I just got on the school bus and and they dropped me off. There's a shop right down the street here, and they dropped me off at the shop. And they were like, "Does your dad know you're here?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, he knows. Don't worry about it. It's fine, right? You're a seven year old." And they're like. And uh, so I show up, and he's actually, you know, changing irrigation sets in the four-wheeler, and he's like, sees me, and he's like, where's your mom? And I was like, oh, I came to help. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. This week, we hear the story of a guy who grew up as a farm worker. His family came from Mexico, and now he and his dad run an orchard together, and he's involved in the world of agricultural technology. Very cool story. Meet Pedro Cuevas this week here on the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop, and this is documenting my journeys all over Washington State to get to know the real people behind our food. I want to talk with you about all the cool technology that you work with in your career now. But before that, I want to go back to the beginning of your story, which starts in Mexico, right? right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean parents started back in Mexico and uh my dad started coming out here when he was 18 years old um started coming to work and had my sister my sister was born out in Mexico um then my my second oldest second to eldest sister also was born in Mexico but my dad would come back and and go you know kind of like most of uh you know Mexican stories it was where yeah. you know they have to come back mom was 16 17 and yeah. had to stay back with the with the kids and uh, raise them without no communication, nothing. We don't. They didn't have cell phones that we have yeah. now, right? No. How long would he be away? Uh, the whole season. So I mean, usually about February to November. Wow. Right? Just go and and you know, I, I, you hear them tell stories about how they used to write letters to each other, right? And it take them a month to get it. Yeah. Because not only are you you know <clears throat> thousand miles away, but you're also right international. So it, it's it's takes a long time now to send something down there. You can imagine back in you know. 82 83 right yeah so and did he do any farming or anything did he have that background in mexico he did he did he did yeah. a lot of he, he worked with cattle uh and then did papaya he was really familiar with papaya so he did papaya work and so i mean he was pretty much raised out in in the campos as we like to say in spanish yeah. right um but needed needed the money wanted to get married and and wanted a nice wedding so he's like well i gotta go to the united states and that's the only way we're gonna achieve it so yeah that's when he started coming out here because he said he was gonna pay for his wedding all by himself right so um, nice. so that's when he started coming out here and you know it just from there i was i was born here and, and actually in washington state i was born in walla walla mm. um and uh that's where he lived and believe it or not we lived uh in walla walla uh, family lived from 88 uh, to about, I want to say it was about 92 in Walla Walla. And my dad would actually drive from Walla Walla to, to, to this exact orchard every single day. Which if you put that into a map, it's about two and a half hour drive one way, right? Um, so That's my a dad, lot of time and a lot of gas. Exactly. Oh. And uh, he talks about, and, and it's going to be one, one, one day it's going to be his dream come true. But he had a Gran Torino that he used to drive. And so I wanna I wanna make that happen for him one day, right? <laughs> yeah, get awesome him get him back, be? yeah, get him back in, in the Grand Torino. But uh, yeah, he said it was five hour commute um, till we till he actually found something here in Royal City that he can he can come back and um, you know be be a lot closer to the family. Yep. Um, but even then, uh, you think about it, and I still remember when I was a little kid, about six seven years old, he would uh, he would spend a lot of time at this orchard, right? Uh, he would, you know, he would be gone when I would wake up, um, and uh, and when he'd come home, I was already asleep, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
So it was, you know, even though he was closer to home, you really never see him unless it was a Sunday, right? Um, about the only time, and and uh, I tell this story a lot because it's 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 kind of crazy that you know when you grow up in in this kind of atmosphere in reality, and maybe you you experienced it yourself where you wanted to get out of it because you were kind of tired or frustrated of it, where you know you're around it all the time, but it always comes back and. I like to tell this story because I wouldn't see my dad, right? We lived in an apartment complex there in town in Rose City and you know, it was just it was just hard. And yeah. one day I decided to take the bus from the school to here. I found out that these neighbors right over here, um, you know, where where they were going, so I knew who they were. Yeah. And I said, Hey, I'm gonna take your bus and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and what kind of a bus was it? It was a school bus. So I just got on the school bus and, and they dropped me off. There's a shop right down the street here. And they dropped me off at the shop and they were like, does your dad know you're here? I'm like, oh yeah, he knows. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. You're a seven year old. And they're like, and uh, so I show up and he's actually, you know, changing irrigation sets in the four wheeler. And he's like, sees me. And he's like, where's your mom? And I was like, oh, I came to help you because I want to, I want to get you home earlier. Right. Yeah. And back then cherries used to be irrigated with, you know, with uh drain, you know, and, and small pipes and, and so he was like, all right, you want to help me? He's like, jump on. And we went on the four-wheeler, and he started at one end, and I started at the other end. And we started going. And, I mean, it. I probably didn't help much, but at least I got to spend time with my dad and see my dad. Yeah. And at the long run, ended up bringing him home faster, you know. And he tells me now that I have kids, like, enjoy it, man, because I didn't, right? I yeah. was working hard for you guys. And, you know, and he's like, so whatever you can do, take him to – Take him to Disneyland, take him to Silverwood, whatever you can do. Because he's like, I know I did it, and I, I definitely regret that now. So yeah, my dad says the same thing. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I worked so. too much yeah. back in those days. So was he mad that you had uh, he, come out? He was, At first he was, but then he kind of laughed about it. He was, you know, like, <laughs> oh, man, look, that's crazy. They drop you off right here. But, hey, it was, you know, it was drop the bus drop off was about 4.30 p.m., so... You can imagine what time he would get home if he was still changing irrigation sets at four thirty, right? But then you kept coming back. He kept yeah. heading out to the yeah. field. Yeah, I would. I would come about two, three times a week at least to try to come help him and try to, like I said, try to get him home earlier. Yeah. So that's when you decided you like this farming thing. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> not necessarily, man. I I wanted to. I wanted to do something else and and kind of you know because after that it wasn't you know I. So you're about 15, then you really get down into, you know, doing the shovel work and everything. You're like, man, this is not fun. Right? You start thinning apples and your, your thumbs hurt at the end of the day. You're like, yeah. oh, man. You know, or during cherry season, you're carrying cherry lugs and walking them around. And at the end of the day, you're beat. You're like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. And, and that's the reason why my dad did it. Because he's like, yeah. you know, I want I want you guys to go to college. And I want, I want you guys to know what hard work is. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I didn't. I think about right around 16, I think I actually started hating it, you know, and <laughs> just like, man, this sucks. Uh, you know, all my friends during spring break and summer vacation were going on, on vacations and, yeah. and I was staying here cause I had to work. Right. But we also didn't have, we didn't have the cash flow that everybody else had. So yep. you had to, right. Like yep. if you wanted nice things, new shoes and everything during, you know, the beginning of the school season, you, totally. you had to, uh, you had, you had to work for your money and my, all my siblings went through it, you know, I went through it and, yeah, and sure enough, man, when I graduated, I was like, I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> this, this is not for me. But uh, uh, something, you know, it's crazy. Something brought me back. I, I did, I kind of did what I, I, I wanted to try to do, right? And I'm glad I did it uh, because if I wouldn't have done it, I kind of would have, you know, probably been like this whole time. Just thinking, wondered, yeah. yeah. What did you do? <clears throat> so I, I actually, when, when uh, 
I went to college. I went for my law enforcement degree. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't during that time, 2012, there wasn't any openings, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was hard to get in. Yep. Um, you had to do either like a reserve deputy or just wait till you got hired on. Right. And, uh, yep. and so we tried, we tried that route and ended up getting into retail. Um, and I was, I was okay at it. I'd like to say, and kind of, you know, I liked it. I liked interacting with people and meeting new people every day and everything. So that was, that was fun. But, um, you know, I just, I wasn't happy. Yeah. Right. And, and I would, I would come back home and I'd talk to my dad. I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't think this is for me. You know, I make, I make decent money, but it's just like, sometimes it's not about the money. It's about, you know, feeling, feeling happy. And he's like, yeah. you know, one day he was like, well, you're always complaining. And, and he's like, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I said, I really don't know. And he's like, you know, well, what do you know? I'm like, well, it's a good question. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know, man. And he's like, he's like, you, you know, you know, farming pretty darn well. You know, you, you grew up around it. And he's like, why don't you, why don't you try to get back into uh, into the orchard and try to do something with that? You know, and so that's kind of when I started looking back into it, and uh, you know, applied with with a local chemical company to become a fieldman, and did that for a little bit, um, and then uh, helped out around here some. And uh, stumbled upon Samuels one day, you know, uh, actually at a gas station, saw Samuels pick up and I was like, I wonder what they do. Uh, and and so I went on their website, saw Michael Gilbert, the CEO. I saw some YouTube videos, actually. <clears throat> and uh, and, I, you know, I, I Googled it and he came up and I saw his vision. I said, hey, that sounds pretty cool, man. You know, yeah. try to do the technology and, and you also get to be uh you know, in farms and agriculture and get to interact with people. Like that's kind of, you know, kind of ties everything together of yeah. what I wanted to do. Right. So, totally. So, it, you know, I applied and a couple of months later I was hired on. So been, been with the company for five years now. Um, started, you know, in, in, in January, if, uh, it would have been 17, January 17 and, and, uh, kind of taken off from there. I remember company was really small, uh, 28th employee hired at Semios. I'm uh, crazy to think now because we were just talking about it the other day, but uh, over 300 employees at Samuels right now. You know, where are they based? Later. They're based out of Vancouver, Canada. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, cool story. You should definitely have our CEO one day on your podcast because yeah. he has a real cool story of, of how everything came about. Well, I know. I, I saw the logo around for a while. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but right. I was curious like right. you were. Um, and then once I looked it up and, and I think I maybe talked with somebody who had, had some background about what you guys do. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. But. I'm not going to try to explain it. You explain it. What what is Semios yeah, all about? Yeah, so um, initially it was it was a strong push for a mating disruption company, right? And I'm not sure if you're familiar with mating disruption or not, but um, it's it's a pheromone that that here at, at least primarily in apples it's, it's codly moth, and we do other pests as well. But um, it, it's the scent, the sex pheromone that that the female releases when they're trying to get mated, right? Mm-hmm. So what you do is you you go and you you, you hang these things up and. Uh, and, and you, you release it at the right timing, depending on degree days and the phenology of the moth and everything. And, and you can, re, you know, we, we t- kind of took it to the next level where instead of it, you know, just kind of dispensing every every once in a while throughout the night, it's actually dispensing, you know, according to what the phenology of the moth is doing, right? Wow. So we, t- we took it there, but um, now we're, we're so much broader. Uh, there's, you know, we, we do temperature by the acre now. Right. Uh, we involved so much more models in it, you know, not only the degree day model, we have fire blight model available. We have a bunch of different things that, that, that do that. And, you know, last year, uh, the company kind of took the next step and, and acquired a couple companies. They acquired a uh, fan control company named all track. They acquired a, um, 
a record-keeping company, Aprex, which is based out of Wenatchee, and uh, another record-keeping company, Agworld, that they're based actually out of Australia, which is super exciting for somebody that started, you know, when they were so young yeah. and kind of taking off, you know. Um, there's, I, I think here at the company, if you look at it, the, the possibilities are really endless right now at this point because we gather so much data within even an hour, even if you're not, you're not even talking about, you know, the day you're, now you're talking about an hour because our system is actually updating and reporting every 10 minutes. So it's about like having sensors all over your field. So you don't just have one temperature for the whole right. field because it can vary w- widely, especially depending on the terrain and the right. orchards out right. here that from the correct. way I understand it. And then like having extensive detailed updated by the hour, by the minute data can totally change i'm assuming how people farm exactly and that's i think that's the ultimate goal and and that's why i say i think it would be good for you to kind of get in contact with our with our ceo because his vision is is you know is next level right like he wants to be able you know it kind of sounds lazy but uh, you know he wants to be able for a farmer to be able to farm from his phone right which is what we're getting to especially with overtime laws and and not having employees i mean here at a small orchard, you know, my dad that my dad owns and operates, it's 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 hard, right? We we had a harvest last year, and, and we didn't get a single local show up and say, "Not a hey, single local, not worker. a single one." And usually, which is surprising to us, but because we'll have anywhere from thirty to thirty-five people show up and be like, "Hey," and be like, "Yeah, there's a ladder, grab it, go for it." But yeah. not last year, not a single one. I I was here every single day, and not a single person showed up and said, "Hey, you got work available." Why right? is that? Just other other jobs that people can get that they prefer to do. I think that's a real good question. And I think that's what everybody's trying to kind of figure out because they're they're even not only in, in the farming industry, but look at restaurants, right? Yeah. Look at these you know, even even WalMarts of the world, right? You see it; they're closing at eleven when they used to be twenty four hours. It, I think it's a great question, and if we could figure it out, it would be awesome. Before yeah. uh, looks like these are going to be probably ready to pick in like early June. So if we can figure it out before <laughs> early June, <laughs> I would appreciate quick, it. Quick, hurry up! Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, what do you do then? If you can't get any local workers to help, how do you make things happen? Yeah. Uh, last year we had to use a contractor. So we brought a contractor out, and, and luckily they were able to help us. And they were even struggling for employees. Mm. Um, they had some brand-new people that never even used the ladder, mm. right? And, uh, and you know, never picked a cherry in their life. So yeah. it was it was hard. Um, first couple of days were, were very, very difficult because – like I said, most of the people there were, were new, uh, yeah. and they were, you know, when, when a, a good picker will, will pick 30, 35 lugs, you know, in a day, um, these guys are picking 10 and 12, right? Yeah. So it, it's going to take you a lot longer, and, and it's going to be a lot more expensive, too, in the long run if, yeah. if they don't figure it out. But we were lucky enough to get it off and, and right before it rained, actually. So, um, so were those guest workers then from Mexico, or were they from other parts of the country, or where— yeah, so at at that point we kind of leave it to the contracting service to see what they what they prefer to do. I know uh, I know half of their crew um, was was uh, the H two A program mm-hmm. uh, from Guatemala. Uh, the other half were locals. Uh, I know they kind of they they had a bunch of employees kind of spread out everywhere. Mm. So I think that's the reason they did it. They did it that way. But um, half of the crew knew what they were doing. The other half yeah. didn't. So yeah, that was the challenge. Yeah, what do you think of that guest worker program? You know, that's been there's been a lot of controversy about that. Yeah, but uh, I, you know, when I talk with people who've actually been doing it, they're yeah. like, 
pumped because they get to make a bunch of money and take right. it home. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think it's actually great. We have we actually have family members that come through the H two A program too, come work to the United States, and and you can see it. We we try to go to Mexico at least every every year, every December. Uh, kind of like a family tradition. We get yep. down there during Christmas and stuff. And still a family down there to visit. Yeah, yeah, a lot of family actually. And yep. and uh, you know, you you see it down there too, right? Um, mm. You start seeing houses being built, mm. um, and you know, just the economy down there is is uplifting, right? Like roads are getting redone, and you know, you got light posts now, which before you never used to see. And what's that from? From the H two A program. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you would never. You used to drive down down the street in a street there in, in our hometown and and houses would be made out of uh a palm tree wood which is the cheapest wood you can find right yeah and you know you can see you can see right through through the wall because yeah. palm trees aren't straight and they wouldn't bother to make them straight yep. and so they would hold them up with barbed wire right and that's how houses were made and, and wow. that's that's how you can see them there's still some i mean don't get me wrong there's still the there's still quite a bit of houses like that, but the good thing is you start seeing, you know, brick houses coming up and everything, and it, it's the H2A workers that are coming up and saving enough money to start building their house. That's awesome. Yeah, so I think it's great. I think, you know, um, you know, it helps it helps out it helps out here the local economy. You know, Royal City is about 2,200 people, so it's not very big. Yep. Uh, H2A program comes, I think we jump up to like 3,500 people, so mm. uh, it helps out the economy here because they're buying food from from yep. Royal City and and gas and everything, and it helps the economy down there wherever they're from in, in Mexico. So workers don't feel trapped or you know, tr- mistreated or exploited. I mean, what, what do you hear from no, the guys uh, in the program? I got I got a, a cousin and an uncle that've been doing it for eight years now, mm. right? And they they're they're happier than heck to come every single year, right? Like not yeah. because they're going to get away from their family. That's kind of the downfall, right? Is you get yeah. away from your family, but you know you you send them good amount of money, money that you'd never make down there, right? Like. Um, for example, my dad has banana orchards down in Mexico and those guys are making $300, 300 pesos a day, which ends up being like $15 here. So that's what they're making. So if you come compare that, even if they make a hundred dollars a day here, right? It's like, that's probably what they would make in a month almost. You're probably making a lot more than that though. Especially oh yeah. Like with production bonuses right. and stuff. Right. You know, and, you can... and their, their minimum wage is a lot higher than everybody else's too. When you have an H2A program. So they're making 16 bucks an hour, right? Starting. Yeah. So it's like, they don't make that in a whole day with, you know, what they make in an hour here. So that's crazy. Yeah. Right. Just briefly pausing to thank our sponsors, Dairy Farmers of Washington for one. Um, <laughs> they've got a cool thing coming up. If you haven't heard about it, uh, it's like a, a farm tour where you can Get up close and personal with real Washington dairy farms and dairy farmers uh, coming up in June. You can find out more details at wadairy.org. Go check it out. We really appreciate their support uh, from the Dairy Farmers of Washington as they do something similar to what we do here, highlighting the quality food uh, that's grown here and the and the people that grow it and the sustainability that they try and work to achieve as they're producing food here locally in Washington state. Also Mana Insurance Group working with lots of local farms and everyone else in between businesses uh, and certainly a lot of uh, personal uh, needs that they provide for and help with, including mine, um, helping me find the right insurance to protect my family's future, uh, financial future, Rather than just waiting until things go wrong, they're helping me and so many others have a plan uh, in place ahead of time 
to make sure we're prepared and things, you know, even when things are bad, that there is least as little bad as possible uh, to put it in, in kind of normal speak, uh, if you will. Maninsurancegroup.com. Check them out online. Uh, they have locations here in Washington as well as Arizona and California. Now back to our conversation in Royal City, Washington with Pedro Cuevas. What about talking about the whole labor thing? What about this? You mentioned overtime. What's the deal with that? Because they, they rolled out, you know, this tiered system where every year right. it's working its way down to getting time and a half over 40 hours. Yep. I think this year it's 55, 55 yeah. and 48 next year. Is that, how is that affecting farms and how is it affecting workers too? Because, you know, initially I think a lot of people thought workers would be pumped because they'd be making more money. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it's bad actually. Um, I think small farms like ours aren't going to make it. We're not going to have the capital be able to pay overtime. And we're not there. We talked about labor. We have no labor to be able to break it out into shifts, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how are we going to do it? Either we're going to do the, the work for free or we're just going to have to sell our farm, which you, you already start seeing a lot of these farms that are smaller growers are going to investment companies because they're the only ones that can afford it, right? They're not going to be able to afford, you know, paying after 55, especially when you're like in irrigation season and the guys are out here from four in the morning and 8 p.m., right? Yeah. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be really challenging. The people aren't really happy about it. Um, we Why were, not? I mean, what, so, wouldn't it mean, you you know, if you work, get time and a half, right, but, you make more money? Yeah, I mean, it, it should technically be that way in, in the retail scenario, but here you can't you can't apply those same rules, right? Um, you got, you know, now it's, it's, for example, irrigation, you know, these things have to go on. Sometimes it's 82, 83 degrees at 9 in the morning, right? So you're yep. turning on overhead cooling for these, for the apples not to, not to get sun scald and uh, you you know you're gonna run it from then and all the way down to it cools off right until it gets under 82 degrees and that could be 7 8 p.m. right yeah. so now what are you gonna do now you're gonna because you can't afford you really can't afford to be paying somebody overtime right before you could pay them you know the hourly rate was fine right they can work mm-hmm. 80 hours a week if they wanted to and there'd be no problem because it would it would be the same even if you were to break it out to shifts now you're going to have to break it down to shifts, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're paying two different people. Now you got to think about, you know, the W-2s. You got to think about, you know, what if, you know, at the end of the season they have to go on unemployment. So now you're paying two unemployment, you know. Yeah, so it's true. it's it's Unthought it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be real hard. What about for the worker, though? You then, know, then they're on a shift and they get fewer hours? Exactly. So the guy that used, the irrigation guy that used to get 80 hours, now they're going to get 40 hours. Right. And they're not, you know, they're going to have to go find another shift somewhere else at another orchard that's going to, but it's going to be willing to give them another 40 hours. Right. So it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be the same and that they're not going to end up making the same amount of money. What are you hearing from people? Are they frustrated about that? Yeah. Yeah. Folks who are doing work. Yep. Uh, you know, we, my dad has had an irrigator here, uh, that's been here as long as he has. And, and he's, he's going to call it quits. Cause you know, once it gets down to that 40 hours, he's like, I'm not going to be able to do that, man. Like I can't, I can't be jumping from orchard to orchard just because, you know, now I get to only work 40 hours. Yeah. Right. And so they, you know, he's like, I'm just going to go back to Mexico and live my life down there. Cause mm. it's, just, it's not worth trying all the hassle and all the extra work that I have to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That I guess that's the disconnect because the story that you're telling is very different than I think a lot of people have seen it, and that's the reason why we've ended up here. Right. People don't understand the world of farming has its own kind of rhythm, right? Yeah, exactly. There's there's so much, you know, variable things that go into farming that, you know, that guy, that same irrigation guy could be, everything could be going great, and he can be within, 
you know, 38, 39 hours and then a main valve breaks, right? And then you're like, oh, you got to go dig that up, right? Yep. And you have to patch it up. And it's like, you know, that that's not an hour job, right? Yep. You know, it's a couple hours, six hours. What is he going to do? Is he just going to drop drop it and leave it because he yep. hit his 40 hours and now he has to leave, right? And the grower is not going to want to pay him the overtime yep. because he can't afford it, right? Yep. It's not that he doesn't want to. People, we'd love to pay everybody overtime, but we, we don't yep. have the money to do it, right? Yep. Commodity prices aren't there, you know, COVID really hit it, you know, and yeah. so we just, we haven't been back up and it seems like everywhere, you know, you look, it's everybody, it's kind of the same story, right? You talk to a bunch of people and everybody has the same story with, you know, it's just, it, it hasn't been the market that I was, you know, six years ago, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, plus I'm just thinking like the annual rhythm of farming too. There are hours and money to be made at a certain time of year. Right. Well, in the middle of the winter, there's nothing going on. Exactly. Here, right. Exactly. So then how are you making money you know yeah yeah i mean we've been we've been lucky that we've had mild winters and and we've been able to keep people busy but in you know when it's been a heavy winter it's like you know they're just stuck at home they're actually they're actually calling us and they're like hey can we go work on weekends like this weekend looks like it's gonna be all right you know because people you know rely on that money and that's that's what their you know their savings accounts starts getting really slim and you know, they got no other option, but they work. Yeah. Well, that's why 40 hours a week works for a factory. Right. Because it's week in, week out, year round. Right. But this, you got to make the money when you can, yep. because then there are times when you can't. And it all it often comes out to the same number of hours, same number of dollars, but it's yeah. a different system. Exactly. Than a factory. Here. And who wants it to be a factory? Right. Right. This right. is the natural no. world where you're growing food. Exactly. We're going to be sitting here right now and that cloud looks like it's going to rain. And what are we going to do? You know, we're going to get up and leave because we can't be here. Right. And yep. It's the same, same thing when you're out, you know, you're not, you're not going to risk, you know, people's health because, oh, you only have 40 hours and this is what you're going to get. Right. Yep. You're, you're going to say, okay, well, you know what? It started raining. Go ahead and go home, you know, and now you only got six hours. Right. Uh, but then during the summer when there is a lot to do, you know, you got thinning going on, you got cherry harvest and people that have apricots got apricots going on. And it's like, you have to have those people out there. And so if not, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring in more H2As? Right. Cause we don't have any more locals. Right. Yep. So it's like, what do you, you know, what do you, and that's expensive that? to do. It's really expensive. Which yeah. boggles my mind when people say, Oh, it's the cheap way out for farms yeah, to do no. that. And they're, they're doing that to save money. It's like, yeah. If I look at the numbers, it costs a, yeah. a lot yeah. more. Yeah. You have to house them, transport them. Yeah. And you, yeah. You have to pay a higher minimum wage to have them around. It's it definitely, we, We've been offered to get H2As here, but when we're not, we're not, we're not considered big enough, it would definitely help, but two, it's too expensive, right? Yeah. There's no way we could be able to afford it for a small farm like ours. What do you think people need to know about this world of, <laughs> of farming? You know, uh, like we were talking about the, the disconnect and a lot of it is just because a lot of people aren't around it anymore. Right. You know, they, they live in a city and maybe they love to, you know, see it up close and personal, but they can't. Yeah. I mean... I would invite them out here any day of the week, right? They can come out and they can ride with me. They can ride with my dad and they can see what farming is really about. It's not, you know, it's not where it's like a nine to five where you just lock yourself in a building and you're good to go, right? It doesn't matter what happens. It's, it could be, you know, a couple of weeks ago we tried to get together and we couldn't because I had to be out here with farmers and myself trying to protect these crops from frost, right? Yeah. I remember first call was at 1130 saying, hey, you know, it's, you know, it's cold out, right? Uh, and then, uh, finally didn't, didn't actually get done with, with my stuff and with grower stuff till about six thirty in the morning. 
Wow. So all night like, long. All night long. And that was doing, three nights in a row. And what do you do to, because it was too cold, it was going to freeze the <laughs> blooms of the cherries? Correct. Yeah. So it would, it would frost out, kill all the cherries. And if you don't try to do anything, then you're out of crop, right? And I do know, I do know a couple of farms that just kind of threw their hands up in the air because, you know, we, we talked about labor and, and everybody's running into it. The propane companies, they were only coming here filling 25% tanks because they didn't have enough labor to go fill them a hundred percent. Right. Wow. So they'd only the, go the tanks that power the, the propane the, tanks. Yep. Cause they use propane for the big fans. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So they, they would bring, cause that's all the time they had. So literally 25%, right. Because it only takes about half an hour to get 25%. Then they would jump to the next one and they'd go like that. And you can look out here and, you know, in, in Royal city and the whole Valley, you know, you can probably stand in a high point and you can see there's, there's thousands of fans out here. Right. And they yep. had to get to all of them. Those are those big like windmill wind, looking wind, thing. But, wind machine, but that's yeah. not to, to catch wind and turn it no, into power. No, it's to, it's not. Cause it stirs up the air. Correct. Yep. So it, the cold air doesn't settle out and Correct. freeze the field. Yep. If I understand yep. it. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. So you, yeah, you got to mix that whole, that, that hot air with that, with the cold air. That way you can keep it at a higher temperature. You mm. try not to get frost out just depending on time of year, you know, uh, and, and where the bud is at, the fruit bud is at that, that that's how, when you turn on the fan. So right now you're about 32 degrees, anything about 32, under 32 is going gonna, is gonna to kill your fruit. So that's what we were about in cherries about two weeks ago. We're about 32 and, and we have, you know, we walked this field before here. We have quite a bit of damage. It, mm. it does not look good. Mm. But you never know. This is right. at least what my dad said in raspberries. I'm, I'm guessing it applies here. You never really know until harvest shows up what's actually going to be out there. Right. So That's you're probably exactly crossing right. your fingers yep. at this point, just hoping that that damage doesn't. Yeah, we, you know, you know it's, who knows? It's, it's curious and funny because four years ago we had the same thing happen and we had the lice crop we had ever had. And we actually made more money than we ever had, right? Why? Well, because crop load wasn't there for everybody. So then right? the price went up. So price was really high. Yeah. So um, that was that was really interesting. And so we can keep our, our fingers crossed that we have a better crop or that, that same thing happens, right, where it drives the price up because there isn't enough to, to supply the whole market. Yeah, it's just always something. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, you can never rest. Yeah, yeah. sure. So, and you, there, wasn't there even snow out here? Yeah, there was. We got about three inches of snow. These trees, Crazy. these cherry trees were, and both the cherries and apple trees were completely covered in snow, and we had never seen that. My dad says, he's like, I've been farming for 30 years. I've never seen snow in April. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. But can't can't mess with Mother Nature, that's for sure. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> only so much you can do. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for coming out. Yeah, and thanks for what you do, too. I mean, this is gorgeous out here. The view... Of course, people on the video can't see it, but out across the valley, it's just incredible. Yeah. I have to sneak back around here sometime anytime. when there's fresh fruit and, yeah, and uh, check it out. Yeah, you're welcome to come anytime, man. I mean, we got we got apples, we got cherries, and we got a little bit of apricots, not apricot peach trees within between just for the family and for friends, you know, to nice. come and get some fresh peaches. But anytime, you're welcome back anytime. Well, thanks again for having yeah, me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. 